You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production in association with City News. Toronto Mayor John Tory is in many ways the opposite to his predecessor, Rob Ford. While Ford was boisterous and at times crude, his reign marked by near constant controversy, Tory, by contrast, almost always seems collected, reserved, boring even. He's sort of your archetypal career politician, adept at avoiding scandal and keeping his private life out of the public eye. And after winning a landslide victory to secure a third term in office in the fall, most Torontonians, love him or hate him, expected more of the same. I'm not sure anyone expected this. I recognize that permitting this relationship to develop was a serious error in judgment on my part. While I deeply regret having to step away from a job that I love in a city that I love even more, I believe in my heart it is best to fully commit myself to the work that is required to repair these most important relationships. On Friday evening, John Tory announced his intention to step down as mayor of Toronto after an article in the Toronto Star revealed that he had engaged in a romantic relationship with a former staff member who was, at the time, his direct subordinate. The scandal has destroyed Tory's well-manicured public image and also caused upheaval throughout the Toronto political landscape. There's a contentious budget set to be debated in City Council this week. And at the time of this recording, there are some strong indications coming from City Hall that Tory may remain in power, at least through the deliberations. In terms of the longer-term implications here, who have emerged as the frontrunners to fill the vacant mayor's seat? And after a series of slam-dunk elections for Tory, the last of which seeing less than 30% voter turnout, could Canada's biggest city, for the first time in almost a decade, see a compelling race? I'm TBS producer Joe Fish, sitting in for Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Ben Spur is a reporter with the Stars City Hall Bureau, and he was part of the team that initially broke the story about Mayor Tory's affair that ultimately led to his resignation. Ben, I imagine this was a pretty interesting weekend for you. Yeah, it's been a busy few days for, for us all at the Bureau, for sure. Okay, so let's start there with the investigation. An hour before John Tory announces that he's resigning as mayor of Toronto, the Star publishes an investigation that reveals that he's been having an affair with a 31-year-old former staffer. Can you just, to start, tell me a little bit about that investigation, sort of how it began, how long it went on, and and then its sort of ultimate conclusions? So I think uh, it, it started uh, around the end of last year, uh, I think in about December, when the Bureau, and um, I should uh, you know emphasize here that this is a team effort uh, led by our Bureau Chief, David Ryder, and uh, me working with him and our other Bureau colleague, Alicia Hasham, we, we received some tips about the the state of the mayor's marriage, I uh, just heard that perhaps he and his wife were, were separated or, or there was some problems in the relationship, which we didn't, you know, really think too much about because, you know, that that's not necessarily a, a big story. It was notable, I think, because the mayor had talked about, you know, how how he needed his his wife's blessing to, to run for re-election in, in last year's election. And they were something of a kind of political power couple, right? And, and he kind of spoke always with great admiration for her. And then not so long ago, they they 
recreated their wedding on their 40th wedding anniversary. The star did a big story on it. So the fact that they might be, you know, splitting or, or, or there's some problems there were a little bit uh, of interest to us, but we kind of put that on the back burner. We did notice uh, that, that the, the mayor's wife was not at his uh, re-election victory party, which, which made us kind of think that there was some truth to, to the rumors. But then it was only about uh, in the last two weeks or so where we got some harder information about the mayor having a, a relationship outside of his marriage. Mm-hmm. And what really made us take notice was that the the information that we got was that it was a woman uh, who had uh, worked in his office. And, and that really kind of transferred the story, I think, from the realm of, of maybe political gossip to something that's in the public interest. So we um, then tried to track down uh, the, the truth of that. We were able to do so. Uh, we put some questions to the mayor I'm losing track of time, given all that's happened in the last while. But I think about uh, two weeks before we published the story, or a week before we published the story, we had sent the mayor's office some questions. And then um, the following week, we sent some more detailed questions to his uh, team. And it was the following day uh, on Friday um, that uh, they sent us uh, a response in the form of a a letter from the mayor's lawyer, which confirmed that uh, this relationship had taken place. And we published that story about uh, 7.30, which was about an hour after we got the letter. And an hour after that, the mayor held a press conference and resigned. And was that the outcome that you were envisioning? Or, you know, were you were you kind of blindsided by the resignation? We had heard uh, that that was a possibility. Uh, to be honest, personally, I was just so kind of intent on making sure we got the story up and, and did it quickly because we knew we had a limited amount of time before the mayor would speak publicly about it. So we wanted to make sure we had the story done accurately and responsibly and, and that we could put it out there. After that, um, you know, I wasn't really thinking too much beyond what was going to happen. And then, you know, just an hour later, he did resign. I, it was surprising in some ways and, and not in others. Like it, the things kind of moved pretty quickly in, in some ways in terms of after our, we published, it was very kind of bang, bang. But, you know, the mayor had known about the story for a while. He had some time to think about it. And other politicians, you could see really kind of toughen it out, try to deny everything or, or try to just plow through. But John Tory is really not that that kind of a mayor. And I don't think really that kind of person. You couldn't really envision him having to field questions about his personal life for, for the next couple of weeks. He, he's built this reputation on being a very upstanding um, and kind of buttoned down guy who, who's not going to let his personal life intrude on his public duties. And with his story, that kind of blew that reputation out of the water. So, you know, the idea that he would kind of try to get through it. I, I don't think that is really consistent with his character. So in, in that way, it wasn't completely surprising. Right. Yeah. I kind of want to delve into that for a second because, you know, as someone who's spent most of my life in this city and lived through the Rob Ford years, and this seems to be a common refrain, you know, people saying, well, you know, we saw, we watched Rob Ford kind of truck through and sidestep scandals that at least on their surface, you know, were arguably worse than this open drug use, uh, allegations of serious corruption. And I think a lot of people are thinking, okay, yeah, this is this is bad. There's obviously the problematic power imbalance between Tory and the staffer. You know, I guess I'm just, what I'm getting at is, why do you think Tory felt that he wasn't able to weather this storm and continue on as mayor? Well, uh, yeah, I think a couple of things, right? I think we can uh, look at what he said in that press conference. T- and, and if you take that at face value, you know, he said that he, he's always been of the belief that the mayor's office shouldn't be tarnished by scandal. And he didn't want to kind of, you know, sully the office by dragging it through that. Um, and I think we can 
believe that, I think, to, to a large extent, right? Because his whole sort of political raison d'etre, so to speak, right, was to come in after the Rob Ford years, pledging to provide stability and civility at City Hall. So, you know, I think I think uh, he probably, as he said, he just didn't want to put the office and the city government through that. He also said that he wanted to take some time to try to rebuild the relationships in his family. Uh, you know, I think we can also probably take that at face value, right? This is must be a really tough personal time for him and his wife and his, his children and, and the wider family. And you could see him wanting to to devote some some time to that to help kind of fix those relationships. So I, I think those things do go a long way to explaining what happened here. Right. And and just, you know, about the investigation, are there any sort of outstanding questions that that you or, you know, the city are waiting on, like to your mind? I think, you know, when we decided to publish this story, the reason why we thought it was in the public interest was one, you know, I think we have a greater understanding um, in, in the post, you know, Me Too era about the nature of relationships when there is a significant power imbalance. You know, this is an instance where uh, a man who is the most powerful politician in the city was in a relationship with one of his staffers who he had the ability, you know, to, to hire and fire and, and all those kind of things. So the extent to which it could be, you know, completely consensual, I think, is a matter for debate. And yeah. I think any details um, about the nature of the relationship that would help sort out some of those issues, I think, are important. Um, the other reason we think this is in the public interest is just to understand that it had potential ramifications on the operation of his office, right? If, right. if there was any kind of misuse of, of, of the office in any way to further this relationship, we know that this person that did travel with him on several occasions on, on publicly funded trips, it's not quite clear if there relationship had started at that point or what status was there. So I don't want to make any insinuations, um, but but we would like to kind of better understand things like that. Right. And and if he were to sort of step back, uh, the person who would probably take his place would be Jennifer McKelvey, uh, current deputy mayor of Toronto. Uh, what do we know about her and, and, uh, and what she's about? Yeah, well, she um, uh, is a, this is her second term uh, in office at City Hall. She's a Scarborough uh, councillor, represents uh, Scarborough Rouge River in the east part of the city. She's, I think, not a, not a super controversial figure or anything like that. She she has the mayor's backing, of course, even before this. Um, by by training, she's an environmental geoscientist. She's, uh, yeah, not not known for causing a, a big stir at City Hall. I think if she were to take over, she's already said that she wouldn't, she's not running to, or at least put people close to her, I've told media, she's not going to run to replace the mayor. So if she she does take over the job. We can expect her to probably just, you know, try to be an even hand on, on the tiller until a by-election is held. Right. Just sort of toe the line kind of thing. Yeah, I think just try to not rock the boat in, until a, a permanent mayor can be elected. One thing I was wondering about is obviously, you know, I alluded before to Tory and, and these new strong powers that he has. I believe now his vote can defeat anything less than two-thirds of a majority in city council. Do I have that exactly right? Yeah, on specific items, but uh, particularly on the budget. Right. So now, would those? do we have any sense of whether or not those powers would be transferred to McKelvey in her interim role? So um, the it's, there is some confusion around that. When we talked to municipal law experts who looked at the, the legislation on the books, they said that those powers would transfer uh, to the interim mayor. Uh, the province who drafted that legislation said that they wouldn't. So it, it, it is confusing. Generally on these things, what the province says goes in the sense that they, they have the ability to craft legislation and, and amend it, even if it, you know they, they have the, the final say here. But yeah, it is a, a bit of a confusing situation. 
we are, in, uh, my colleagues uh, who are journalists, but also uh, you know city councilors and staff at City Hall are waiting for some like clarification from the city about what exactly happens now, what the procedure is, and you know who who is in charge and how much power that they have. It, it is a, a pretty um, tumultuous and uncertain uh, situation at the moment. Right, which is exactly what we needed as a city right now. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> so this means that Toronto could see an election in the near future. Is it 60 days that, that, uh, yeah, I think there's uh, I'll have to check the, the the bylaws again, but it, I believe uh, after the council declares the mayor's seat vacant, they have to call a by-election. But I believe there there has to be a nomination period first, and then a, a period of up to sixty days to actually run the election. So I think we're looking at probably somewhere around May is the the best information we have at the moment. Gotcha. So I know it's it's very early days to be talking about this, but who's emerged as the sort of most likely candidates to succeed Tory. Yeah, we think that there are going to be a good number of them. Um, you know, in the last election in, in October, not a lot of people ran because John Tory was seen as such a, an unbeatable candidate that people were just going to wait until he was out of the picture to try their luck. Um, this time around, uh, we could see a lot of, of people entering the race, especially because city councillors, um, if running in a by-election, our understanding is they don't have to uh, vacate their current seat, they get to keep their seat, run an election. If they lose, they just go back to their old job. So the the bar is, is lower. So yeah, we're expecting a lot of councillors to to uh, be uh, testing the waters. We know uh, the mayor's kind of biggest name opponent last time around was a, an urbanist named Gil Penulosa. He's already said he will run. We're expecting some councillors like Josh Matlow to uh, enter the race. Uh, former deputy mayor and a bylaw uh, is also a name out there. Former councilor who was considered a, a favorite to run at one time, Joe Cressy, he said he won't run. Um, we are kind of looking to see who the uh, conservative establishment in Toronto rallies around. Those Most of those people I mentioned were, were more on the left. So we are waiting to see if there's a, a kind of a conservative candidate that, that gets uh, put up. You know, we are hearing potentially people dropping in from the provincial level, like Stan Cho, who's a PC MPP um, in, uh, you know, Toronto municipal election you can never count out a ford uh, right. michael ford the mayor's nephew the former mayor's nephew could be uh put in the race as well so yeah it's, it's still early days a lot of i think discussion and kind of negotiating behind the scenes is, is happening right now right it's going to be it's going to be interesting i mean you know we spoke to your colleague david Ryder four months ago in the lead up to toronto's municipal election and um I got to say, it, it wasn't the most compelling race. I mean, I think from the jump, it was clear Tory was going to take it. Tory took it. Do you foresee this election being a bit more contentious, a bit more interesting? It, it will be definitely more contentious. I think that's safe to say. Um, and, and yeah, and from that perspective, more, more interesting. I, I think, you know, the mayor's critics will say that this is an opportunity for a bit of a reset, right? Um, you know, I think the the knock on on the mayor for all his strengths of kind of being a, a capable manager and, and uh, kind of being able to unite different factions of the city and different factions of council, um, his critics considered him, you know, not bold enough, uh, particularly to uh, meet some of the huge challenges the city is facing in terms of a housing crisis, uh, you know, a, a, a still the, the hangover of COVID with transit ridership way down, the, the, the downtown um, being empty most uh, weekdays. So, you know, this is a chance for uh, someone new to come in. And I think to, to the extent that people will hopefully be more engaged in this election than the last one, I, th- I think that that is a, a good thing. Right. And maybe that's sort of a silver lining to this whole thing, possibly. Yeah. I mean, the, the other interesting thing is that there were some signs that 
John Tory was kind of starting to take some more bold steps, right? I was uh, just on, a, on another panel with former mayoral candidate uh, Jennifer Keysmat, who's a former city planner. She said that the housing plan that he introduced uh, just a few weeks ago was, was really you know, good and positive and kind of the thing that the city needs. He'd also pledged to go out and launch a, a national campaign to win a, a new fiscal framework for, for municipalities to uh, give them more stable funding over the long term, which is something that um, a lot of uh, people who pay attention to municipal politics are saying have been needed for a long time. So it, it did sort of look like he was going to take a different tack in, in his uh, third term. But uh, if he does follow through on his resignation, that has all kind of been been cut short. Right. I, I want to talk about some of those ambitious plans because a lot of that was sort of unlocked by these strong mayor powers that were given to uh, Mayor Tory by the province. I guess you can only speculate on this, but is there any word on whether Doug Ford is kicking himself now that these strong mayor powers could end up in the hands of somebody like a Josh Matlow or a, a Gil Penalosa? Yeah, the, the thing with these strong mayor powers that was always, uh, I think, a bit you know curious uh, to many of us was that while they were strong mayor powers in, in name, there was a kind of a, an asterisk to them, which is that the legislation was written in a way that says that the mayor can only um, exercise them if to further provincial priorities. So, kind of gave the mayor strong powers in relation to the rest of uh, city council, but meant that he was on a pretty short leash when it comes to the province. So if someone on the left were to to win uh, the mayoralty, um, you could see him or her not being able to really wield these powers in a way that they want to because the province could just say, well, the, what you're trying to do doesn't align with our priorities, so these powers don't apply. Another layer of complexity. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it just, it, it is really notable, I think, because, you know, John Tory asked for these strong mayor powers, uh, as, as some of the more extreme ones. And I think he was granted them and, and because he's John Tory, because he's, he's such a kind of predictable and, and steady hand that uh, the province was able to give it uh, those powers to him without any kind of fear of uh, someone like his predecessor acting, you know, really irresponsibly with them. So it's just kind of ironic, I guess, that months later, the mayor who advocated for those strong mayor powers looks like he's no longer going to be the mayor. One thing I was wondering is, you know, Tory obviously stepping down after this scandal, but I got to imagine, I mean, he took 60% of the vote in the last election. He's He's got so many supporters in the city who still like him. I, I mean, I wonder if this next election is just going to come down to who he throws his weight behind. It's possible. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's tough to, to tell. I think it'd be really interesting to see how involved he wants to be. If, if he does resign, you know, does he want to wade back into politics and uh, try to, to, to get uh, one of his favorite candidates in? Um, and it's kind of interesting to, to think about whether or not his, you know, political popularity is transferable, right? You know, I think uh, so much of what people liked about him was, about his own kind of personality and the way that he approached the job. But I, I don't think, unlike, you know, people like Rob Ford, there's not like a whole lot of sort of mania or like, uh, you know, real kind of fanaticism around uh, John Tory's political brand, which, you know, to be frank, is, is kind of boring as, as being a political brand. So whether or not he could say, energize anyone by saying, this is my favorite candidate and, and really tip the scales, I, I think remains to be seen. Right. Okay. So, you know, the thing I want to, I want to ask you to finish off is, is more of a sort of big picture question. This all comes at a bit of a, what I see as kind of an inflection point for the city, you know, just to name a few issues. We're dealing with the skyrocketing cost of housing. 
Uh, we've got a worsening problem with homelessness across the city. There's concerns over the safety and reliability of the transit system, decrease in quality and scope of civic services. This is just to name a few. You know, as somebody who's spent his career and who who makes his living covering municipal politics, is there one sort of area of civic life that you're going to be watching most closely to see sort of what changes in the post-Tory era? I think just, you know, the city is facing huge challenges financially, uh, or maybe some of the pressing ones like this budget that's going to council this week has a whole of about a billion dollars in it because of COVID effects. And and the mayor was hoping to try to secure that funding from uh, other levels of government. So I think just in the near term, I'm just trying to understand uh, how the city is going to pay for itself over the next little while. And and then whoever comes in to the mayor's job is going to have to take a close look at that. But I do think, yeah, on a more broader level, again, I think Tory was someone who uh, in the mayor's job often wanted to bring people together to, to kind of get broad support for policies. And that was good for, for not causing a lot of controversy at City Hall. But I think the, the drawback was that the kind of bolder uh, policy options were often not really on the table because they would be contentious. Um, and so I think it will be interesting to see whether the whoever has the mayor's job in a couple months, if they take that same approach of trying to unite people and, and trying to you know uh, advance more moderate policies that have broad support uh, to address some of the uh, challenges that the city is facing, or if they'll take more kind of uh, you know um, bolder, extreme, or more, more radical and divisive actions to try to deal with some of these issues. Ben, thanks so much for joining us today and walking us through this. Uh, I guess it's safe to say, interesting times ahead. Yeah, for sure. Thank you very much for having me. Ben Spur, reporter with the Stars City Hall Bureau. That was The Big Story. For more, head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. Find us on Twitter at thebigstoryfpn. If you have strong feelings about Mayor Tory and his decision to resign, please send us an email about it at hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can also send ideas for stories there. We're always appreciative when you do. You can also call us and leave us a voicemail at 416-935-5935. We're available in every single podcast player and on every smart speaker. You just need to ask your smart speaker to play The Big Story Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Joe Fish. Tomorrow and through to the weekend, Donovan Bennett will be sitting in the host seat. So be sure to tune in because we've got some great stories coming your way.